back, going back uh, to finish what we were talking about this morning and having some conversation about this topic and, and uh, hitting some more hot spots as we go through and finish this. Um, you could tell just from the first part of the lesson this morning um, kind of what the theme was going to be and, and you know, just recapping briefly um, and not to re-speak what Sean was talking about, but life, life is full of trials. Life is, uh, if you're going to be, especially if you're going to be involved with, with serving the Lord, when you're in that capacity, there's going to be some challenges, and there's no way to avoid that. Um, it's, um, it's accepting the inevitable, but as we said this morning, learning from the trials and, and understanding what the value is of what we're involved in. Right. Um, I was using some of the examples the, this morning about that value and, you know, looking, you know, kind of like if you had a, a rare coin um, or something like that, but, but there's much more to it than that. And, and, and I, there's no way I'm going to be able to exhaust everything uh, as we go through this and, and every example that I'd like to give to you. But I want to have some good discussion on this. So on page four in your study guides, and I want to I actually want to go back up to um, at the top of page four, right after that first <coughs> sentence is spoken. There's some. It says some of James's readers. That's where we're going to start. Everybody see that? Yeah. Okay. Let's start there. Some of James's readers may have felt that God could have removed temptation from them. However, temptation does not come from God, but from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Our, sins, our sinful desires entice us to sin. And that was the final argument this morning, was that, yes, sin is a problem. Yes, I think we all know that. We know that sin is a problem. But I also want to make the argument, and I thought about this, and I thought about, I don't want to rehash it, but I kind of want to come at it from another angle to just re- you know, reaffirm that some of the things that we were saying, sin is, sin is obviously an issue. It's a problem, and I, we all know it's a problem. But I think what happens sometimes, and and it's not that we shouldn't focus on that. We should, we should recognize what sin is. Absolutely, and we need to know what sin is. But we also need to recognize the ones doing the sinning, which is us. And it's like, sometimes I think we look at sin as this, this thing out there that's that's like this something that pushes itself on us and it's like man that old sin got me again and it's like okay yeah maybe it did but somebody had to be the culprit right somebody had to be the one to enact the sin out in order for it to actually be called a sin you sinned you did that that was wrong that was bad so so this morning we were talking a little bit about accountability and that's where i really want to start tonight is recognizing that we are the ones who are doing the fault. It's not this thing in the ether somewhere where sin just come along and overpowered you and then all of a sudden you had sin in your life and you were like, oh man, it got me. Can somebody lay hands on me and deliver me? It doesn't work like that. And I, and I, don't, I didn't mean to say it like that. I hope that you're not thinking that I'm trying to bone down laying hands on, but there's been a lot of people over the years I prayed with them. Pastors prayed with them. I've, I've prayed with a lot of people over the years that have literally been praying that prayer. It's like, just get this sin away from me. 
My thing is, stop doing it. If you'll stop doing it, then it's not going to be an issue anymore. And I know that's easier said than done. I, I completely understand that. But a lot of the grip of sin, if you talk about the grip of sin, the, the grip of sin is caused from the practice of sin. Agreed? Yeah. You do not trip and fall and stumble. Oops, I got myself in a bondage. You made a series of choices that led you into bondage. And so... It comes back to this, like looking at ourselves and taking full accountability for actions and, and realizing our situation and where we're at currently and that we would not be here, um, obviously God by God's grace, but if it's a bad situation that you're in, you got here because of a series of choices. If you evaded it, it was through a series of choices, through God's wisdom. I mean, God ever, has God ever imparted something to you? How many of you ever asked God a question and heard the answer, no. Like, God, I want to go over here and I want to do this. No. <coughs> well, I want to do this. No. Stay where you're at. But I want to, no. And for a long time, I fought with that. And I remember fighting that when I was young, young Christian and not understanding that. I'm like this you know, young kid and I wanted to venture out and I want to do all these things. And I want to get my hand in this. I want to get my hand in that. And... I would hear no as I prayed. I was like, Lord, show me, you know, I want to do this. And what I realized what I was doing, I realized that this at a very young age. I realized that what I was doing was when I asked God permission for something, I had actually brought my emotions into it. And I wasn't asking God whether I could or not. I was actually asking him for permission to be able to. I'd already made up my mind. I knew what I wanted. That's what I want I'm going to do. And now... I just need you to tell me that you're going to be with me when I go do it. And I learned something. I think I was about 18. And he showed me, he said, the only way that you, the way that you get an answer from God is that when you go into prayer, you cannot have your own opinion about what you are praying about. You have to release the opinion and you come to God and you say, what do you think about this? And what that does is it gets your will out of the way. And I'm glad I learned that at a young age. Now, even though I didn't always practice that, that I learned something very valuable being young is that in order to make good decisions from here, I have to get out of the way and then I have to come to him and I have to say, I want to do this or I want to get involved with this. What is your answer? And it took me years to understand the wisdom behind the nose. And I learned that sometimes no's were not no's, they were actually not now's. Yeah. And that that sometimes you just simply didn't need to be involved in it because it wasn't any good for you. Now I know that sometimes we think, you know, we always kind of look at everything as evasion. And what I, what I mean by that is that if I would have done it, it would have led to something really bad. Not necessarily, maybe you just would have wasted a whole lot of time doing something other than what God wanted you to do. Which to me is that much more of an issue because now we're caught in something that we're now has become our lifestyle and we do it day in and day out and it was something that we wanted to do and not what he wanted to do to me it's easier to get bailed out of situations when you make a mistake and realize that you made a mistake and you just turn around and go the other way but something that you've done your whole life by veering off the path well that's different now, now i got to get back on track again, but I've got to change my whole lifestyle because I've been used to doing it my way. Now I need to do it God's way. 
And so looking for the answers from God and, and getting, getting an answer from God, you got to get away from what you think is the answer. You can't come to him in prayer with this idea that, you know, i got a pretty good idea where this is going. And, and really when we ask God, what is your answer, I learned that there, there can't be an accurate answer given. And this is what he showed me. I can't tell you the answer because you've already made up your mind. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. It really didn't make any sense to me. But when I started learning about the power that he gave individuals to choose, he's usurping his own authority of choice if he always tells you what to do. He's usurping that. It's like, well, I want God to tell me. No, that's not the way this works. Wisdom. Back away from it. I don't, I don't, God, I don't, I need your wisdom. Show me the wisdom in this. And so when God begins to move us in a direction, we got to believe it's the best thing for us. We got to believe that there's a wisdom behind it. Not, not I'm going to fall <laughs> off a cliff. Well, if I would have done that, man, then that would have happened and it would have just been cataclysmic. That's not always the situation. Sometimes God just, he gives us wisdom and he points us in the direction and he just simply says, and this is the way I term it. That's the way I tell my kids. Sometimes God pushes you in a direction and says, there's going, to, there's going to be a lot of good opportunities this way. Not so many opportunities this way. Good opportunities over here. See, I don't, I don't believe that God has this whole thing mapped out for you. Because if that was the case, then where would choice be? Where would choice be? If it was all already mapped out, then why are you making choices? There would be no reason for the choice. And so I believe that when God gives you wisdom and he, and he points you in a direction, he hasn't necessarily made the decision for you. There's going to be a thousand decisions that need to be made within that. But you're going to need the wisdom to make good choices to keep yourself out of trouble. They say, back when I was a kid, is keep your nose clean. Keep your nose clean. And to keep yourself moving on the right path, makes you want to rub your nose, doesn't it, Rick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just all of a sudden my nose itches. And so, our sinful desires, they entice us to sin. But there's not a sin in, until you actually, actually do that. God is holy, both in character and actions. God is never tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. He desires for us to be holy and act holy. Well, that's really good. He desires for us to be holy and to act holy. There's plenty of scripture to back that up. Um, that, that's the problem that we're in, involved in today is that um, holiness is taking a back seat. It's not really that popular. Everybody wants a piece of God. They just don't want a piece of holiness. Um, they want, church people want things of God, um, but they don't want to pay the price that it takes to actually get to God. Oh, there's a lot of things to go with that. There's just a lot of things. But it says, He desires for us to be holy and act holy. In fact, He has provided everything we need to keep from sinning. All right, so let's make that, let's, let's talk about it for just a minute. He's giving us everything to, for us to keep sinning. All right, so what is that, though? What is it? is it? Is it a power that just keeps you from ever sinning again? What is it? What is the thing that is separating you from that where you actually have the upper hand? Right there. You have the upper hand now. So that's, a, that's what we call a finished work. Victory, yeah, absolute, absolute victory. So, so it's a completed work. 
So with the completed work come all the things with it. It was this massive package deal and the uh, the stripes that led to your healing and, and uh, the crown of thorns and the, uh, all of these things that were symbolization of victory over. And then you were able to garner all of these things through the work of the cross. Completed work. All right, it's finished. So now we have... Um, we have the cross in the ability not to sin if you so choose. If you so choose. You can only do it through him, all right? Keep in mind, it's only through the cross. I can assure you, you can't, you cannot live a life holy before the Lord without the Lord. You can't do that. People try, people may try to say, well, I make good decisions. I don't, I'm, I'm a good moral person, ethical per person. I've said it a million times. You cannot be moral without the moral giver. It just doesn't make sense. You cannot undo those. That's a that's a that those two belong together. The designer of morals and the morals themselves have to be coupled together. And so you say, well, I'm living a good life. What does that mean, though? I'm I'm uh, I don't fornicate or I don't do drugs or any of these things. It's all well and good, but if you don't have the one who actually created the morality and the ethics to push you in that direction, then you don't have the right, you're not in the right way. It's not going to work. So, um, when he says that he desires for us to be holy and act holy, in fact, he's provided everything that we need to keep from sinning, there is a power present in your life if you know the Lord that can, that has taken us away from the power that sin has over us, and now we can make the decision, you have the opportunity to make the decision, to not do it, and it never has its grip on you. That's what's so powerful about it. Is that now I can come to the Lord, He empowers me and He strengthens me, and where I had failed before, now I can have success. Now I can say, no, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to do that, and now I have victory over it. Right? And this is a lifelong thing, church. This isn't something you figure out in the night. This is something that you... You, you go through life and, and, and God reveals the things to you that you're dealing with and, and sometimes they're, they're not very clear as to what they are and sometimes you can be sitting in a service and, and I'll just, you know, in a simple example, I can be sitting in a service and, and the word come out and I hear the spoken word of God and all of a sudden it just comes to me and I know exactly what it is. It's like, man, I've got bitterness. Mm, I need to get rid of that. And at that moment, I can make a decision. Lord, I... I repent. Forgive me for that. I should not be holding that. I can let it go. And the cross allows me to do that. Where otherwise I couldn't. I'd be bound to it. I'd be stuck to it. And so it's 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 proper decision making, but it's also coupled with the power of the cross in order to keep things moving forward in your life. <clears throat> okay. Um, I don't want to stop in one place because we've got a lot of places to go. Um, in verse 15, James used... Uh, the illustration of conception and birth to show that lust conceives and gives birth to sin. If we don't resist sin, it brings forth death. I remember we were talking about that this morning. What was the what's the final what's the final verdict of sin is death. And and I think that we all understand that that's it's li in the literal sense, but it's also in the figurative sense that anything sin is attached to is going to die. That's the way I, I view it. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like getting sick or, or having, um, and then they ask you what the symptoms are and it's like, okay, you know, I got a cough or whatever. And they say, all right, well, you got uh, this. And you know, you know what the result is of whatever that is, two days, 48 hours, 72 hour sickness, 
you, everybody kind of goes through the same thing. You know what the symptoms are of that thing, and you know what the end result is. That's the same way sin is. It has uh, symptoms. It's symptomatic. You can see it when it's working, and you can see when it's starting to lead to death because whatever it's involved in, it decays and kills whatever it's involved in. <coughs> What's that? Destruction. Yeah, it's just total destruction. So it's, you know, when you see, when you see a church split, or you see like, like a church come unglued, and people go their separate ways, people don't want to go to church with another person anymore because of anger or bitterness. It matches perfectly. There, there's something going on somewhere that's causing destruction, and what did it end in? Death. And that's the same way in relationships. Something cancerous is living in there, and it, if it's not resolved, it's going to kill whatever it's attached to. That's just the symptomatic things of sin. You can't, you can't get past it. I mean, and it don't really take a super smart person to get that. But for some reason, I think it's weird because we don't always get that. It's like, so notice what it says here. If we don't resist sin, it brings this. So what's the, what is the idea? That you resist sin. You have to resist it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have, I know what the cross did. I have victory over it, but I'm still required to do that one thing, which is to resist. I am required to resist. What does resist mean? Turn away. Okay, turn away. That's good. What else? What, is it, what does it mean if you're going to resist? Push back. Push back? Anything? Five. What's that? Sometimes it's a fact. Yeah, sometimes it is. It's not going to be easy. What else? What's another form of resistance? Pray it away. Pray? Okay, pray it away. Good. Make a conscious effort to attack it a second it comes in. Okay, good. Say no. No. <laughs> you know, you know, they used to teach that in the female defense classes. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> that was what they did in the 80s. So, no, I'm not good. That's resistance. So there's a, and every one of you are right. Everyone kind of give their, their view of that. And there has to be a resistance. If there's not a resistance, then over time, you'll begin to falter and begin to decay and you'll lose your strength. You have to say no. It Literally say no. Not doing that. No, not going there. Got to resist that. Got to take the phone. Got to put it over here. No. Got to shut that off. No. Got to quit talking to that person. No. Are you, you understand? And I don't know what your struggles are. Everybody's going to have different struggles. But there's going to have to be a resistance in order to achieve success. You will not do it by just sitting there twiddling your thumbs or thinking that this whole thing, I've said it, pastor said it before, and I'm going to come back to that one point. We prayed for a lot of people before, and we're like, listen. They're like, I don't know, there's something really evil in my house. Well, pray over your house. Amen. Would you just come over and do it for me? No. And for any of you whose houses that we've prayed over, I'm not referring to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, go ahead, go ahead. It's go like ahead. a structured discipline. Yes. That's really, and we can compare it to muscle memory when you're repetitious. That's a good example. You, you keep hitting, you keep hitting, you keep pushing back. Yeah. And you overcome it. Yeah, that's good. And, and, it, and it's, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be consistent. So there's got to be this resistance. Okay. Persistence and resistance. <laughs>
If we don't resist sin, it brings forth dead in contrast to the perseverance that brings spiritual maturity in life. God does not expect us to overcome temptation alone. He provides his word, his spirit, and a way of escape. James did not want his readers to be deceived, but to see God as the source of all good gifts. And God is, God is the father of lights, the creator of all the lights in the heavens. The movement of the earth creates shifting shadows, but God does not change. All of his gifts are intended to help us mature in our walk with him. That is the whole point is to mature you, right? You are you are being prepared. And I've, I said this a couple weeks ago, or maybe even last week. You are being prepared to be presented to him as the bride. You're being prepared for that. So there's this lifelong maturity process of getting ready for the return of the king, whether it is seeing him through death or seeing him on his return. Either way, you're in preparation to meet the king. And so you want to, when you come to him, you want to have, as the scripture says, confidence at his appearing. There he is. You want to have confidence that you are ready and prepared to meet him. That you ain't got some straggling stuff or something you spent your life perfecting that point of contact with him to be able to to be presented to him as the bride. It says, all of his gifts are intended to help us mature and walk in him. To show that God gives good gifts, James reminded his readers of their salvation. Because he desires to bless his children, God provided the word of truth. Verse 18, his true word, and because they have accepted the gospel, they became his prized possession, or the first fruits of all who would believe in Christ. That's simple stuff. But the problem lies in when we want Christ without the exchange. That's the problem that we've been having in, in Christianity 2023. Is that people want Christ but no change. People want Christ but no transition. People want Christ but without the fruits. And that's simply not, not acceptable. You cannot, that's not biblical. There will be, there will be a change in our lives. There will be a, transform, a transformation process and not only will there be a transformation process, that will be a transformation process that continues throughout the uh, longevity of your life. I mean, the entire thing is going to be a process of change and being confronted with your faults and your wrongs and the things that you get yourself into, and then you're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Well, buckle up, because you're going to get called out, and he's going to make sure that, and I'm not saying he's going to embarrass you, but he's going to call you out right here. He's going to call you out. That's not right. You know better than that. And what are you, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to confront it. And you, I've been through it so many times, church. I've been through it so many times. And it, it is never easy. In fact, it's gotten harder as I've gotten older. I mean, it's harder because I'm like, I know better. I know better than to do that. That's not godly. That's not what he wants me to do. So I'm no different than anyone else. You know, we're looking for that. We're looking for that improvement. I'm constantly looking to get better, constantly wanting to grow into the person that he wants me to be. Isn't that your pursuit? It's got to be your pursuit. I may not have this whole thing mastered. Don't think I'm ever going to. But whenever my time comes, I want to be found at that striving place where I've been doing everything I can to get closer to him and not leaving stuff off to the side. So we are his prized possession. 
or the first fruits of all who believe in Christ. So we've got something special now that we've received the gospel. Okay, let's go to section 30, be doers of the word. This is good stuff right here. Notice what it says right underneath that. When it says being doers of the word, what does it say? Exercising self-control. <laughs> That's good. How many of you... Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. But how many of you, you know, you could probably... That right there is probably your thing. you got to pray over that. I think to some extent, everybody across the board is dealing with this right here. Being a doer of the word and exercising self-control over the things that are screaming at you to participate in. These things come from, remember, where do they come from? They come from our own lusts and desires. That's sometimes a hard pill to swallow. It's like, I've got some things inside of my flesh that just don't want to cooperate with the word. Sometimes, it, you know, it's hard. It's almost, it's like I feel ashamed to even say that. But I understand that shame has been removed from me, and I, there's no shame. But that's the reality of the situation, is that our flesh screams contradiction to God's word. It's like it wants to go over here and do something really stupid. But we know we should go over here and do what's right. And so when we start this lesson, this lesson part right here in section 3, being a doer of the word, listen very closely to this. Because this is a tool for you. This is a, a tool that you can use in the battlefield. Something that can be used for self-control. In addition to the gift of salvation, God provided us with resources for overcoming sin. James gave some important advice for living victorious Christian lives. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Man, right there. I just failed. Check them off. <laughs> Quick. Yeah. Yeah, you said quick to speak, didn't you, brother? That's good. Quick to listen. All right. Let's let's think about this for just a minute. You said you Father, you said you said be quick to listen? No, now let's weigh in on this. What why? Why do you think? You learn more listening as you're talking. That's a good rule of thumb, isn't it? Now, of course, you, open ears, you know, yeah, listen, listen. I've even heard, you know, some people say, you hear me, but you ain't listening. <laughs> you hear, but, you, but you're not listening. I think a lot of people on Sunday, you know, in church, you know, you're hearing the word, but you ain't listening to the word. So, so what else? What else can we gain by listening? Anything you're going to need. Everything that you're going to need. Everything. Uh, my dad used to say, he used to tell, we gather us up, you know, he'd tell us what we were going to be doing on Saturday, and that was kind of like a tradition in my house. It's like, you get up on Saturday morning, there was going to be some things to do. And he's like, all right, I'm going to tell you this just once, so you better be listening. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm listening because if you messed it up, then he was upset and you could get grounded, and I just couldn't handle that. So I'm like, I'm listening to every word he had to say. Shouldn't, I'm Look at the things that we're involved in. Shouldn't that be the way that we approach the word? Faith comes by hearing. Like what? Yeah, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's like, tell me what you have to say to me today because I need it. I'm not going to make it without it. I got to hear what you have to say. So listening on, on let's, let's talk about a couple threads. Okay, listening to God. 
listening to what he has to say. Now, that's going to show up in a lot of different ways in your life, isn't it? Sometimes it's going to come by the direct word. Sometimes you might hear a minister say something. Sometimes it's going to be pastor. He's going to say something. Sometimes God's going to speak to you through other people. Now, that's where it starts to get rocky for a lot of individuals because we're okay with being preached when pastor's behind the pulpit. But then if he comes down here and puts his arm around and says, hey, let me, I got some advice for you. Oh, hold on a second now, pastor. <laughs> listen. Listen. Because see, the, Lord's, the Lord is trying to say something to us. And so you might run into somebody, and maybe it's a friend, maybe it's not a friend. Maybe it's a stranger. Um, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your... Maybe it's your mom or your dad or your children. But somebody's trying to tell you something, and God is using that individual to speak to you. But if you're not listening, if you're not listening, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss that. And I would rather have God speak to me through divine revelation. Wouldn't you? Because everything, yeah, just, just I'm listening to you, God. You feed me. From the direct line from the Lord, and then I'll tell everybody what you said. But see, if that was the case, I think we'd get a big head. If you was in a direct line with God all the time, and he just constantly spoke to you, we'd get so heavenly minded, we'd be no earthly good. We just wouldn't be worth anything. So God chooses to speak to you through other people. And I believe the reason why, and this is just my own personal belief, I believe the reason why is to pop your bubble. Who are you to tell me anything? You ain't listening. Say, God is speaking right now. Listen to what you're saying. I don't want to listen to them. Well, you know what? You're going to miss it then. So listening is, there's a, there's a lot of different threads when it comes to listening. But he said here, he said, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And the way I take that, sometimes you need to shut your mouth. Slow. Slow your mouth down. Slow it down. Slow to speak. Okay, so what are some of the threads here? What are some things we can look at? What, what are some things that are related to slowing down what you are saying or being slow to speak? What is the word talking about here? I think to think before you speak. Okay, think. Yeah. Be, be aware of what you're going to say. Be aware. Words coming out, right? We know words are destructive. You can apologize all you want to. That, that is what we're supposed to do, but that still don't bring the bullet back. No. Yeah. The bullet's been fired. So we've got this, we've got a powerful weapon, right, in our in our tongue that'll watch the words that we speak, slow to speak, have a have a thought and thinking about what we are saying or whether we are getting ourselves involved in, and slow to get angry. What are we listening to? And that's that's this question. Listen, what are we listening to? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I want that. <laughs> Slow to get angry. Anybody, anybody ever been angry before? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And I'm talking like, I'm just talking about like crazy angry. I mean, just the kind of stuff that, that you're embarrassed of when it's over with. Like, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. Anger, uncontrolled anger, is us deeply involved in our emotions. And our emotions are untamed. Now, are there times when anger 
is the right thing for the moment? Yes, there is. Yes. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that your emotions are, are flat wrong because they're not always wrong. The, the, the Bible specifically says slow to get angry. Yeah, anger and sin out. didn't mean that you wouldn't get angry. There are going to be times that anger has a rightful place. Mm -hmm. um, but see, when you're angry or, and then when I say angry, listen, let me, let me talk to you just briefly because I want to keep going here. I don't want to take up too much time. But see, when I talk about anger, I don't always think about anger as, as something that might happen between you and a person at the, at the easy mark. You know, you can get all twisted up over stupid stuff, and, and it happens in a moment. I'm talking about the kind of anger that lasts for days and weeks and months. Yeah. That's the kind of anger I'm talking about. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff that just it, it, it won't let you sleep at night. And you start mulling it over and you start thinking about how you can get the person back and anger leads to vengeance and, <clears throat> and it just has this branch of all of these things. There's a lot of wisdom in being told that we need to be very careful about marching in the territory of anger. There's a lot of wisdom there about being very careful about how we tread that line and how we use that 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 anger and and often what we do is we weaponize it and we weaponize anger and we'll use that as a weapon against somebody well i'm just not talking to you i'll, I'll show them i'll show them i won't speak to him for a week that'll teach him something and they look over there and they look perfectly normal you really getting them ain't you who's the one suffering yeah your anger's about to take you down your anger causes heart issues, blood pressure issues, and they're over there perfectly fine. Anger is very destructive when used in the wrong context. And this is why we've been given wisdom here. And this is why we're talking about exercising self-control. So there's a bit of wisdom here in James 1.19. You must, uh, must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Listening before speaking or doing can often prevent us from becoming, uh, from being, becoming entangled in sin. The same word that brought the news of salvation will give us direction in daily living, and the Holy Spirit warns us of impending danger if we listen to him. So he's wanting to tell you, he'll warn you. He's like, oh, hey, whoa, whoa. I've got this in conversations with people before, and I'm just sharing my own experience. I've had conversations where, um, have you ever been in a conversation with people where that conversation ratcheted up? You could feel the rat it level up with, the, the sentences that were exchanged between you and that individual, and it ratcheted up, and it ratcheted up again. You ever had that happen? And you could feel it begin to rise, and it's like, I can feel the Holy Spirit tell me. I have heard him say, stop, stop right here, stop. And I come like, I... he's like, don't say another word. And I had to cut it right there. His wisdom, his wisdom is like, you need to shut your mouth. Right there, you cut it right there. Don't you say another word. <laughs> that is so hard. Because I wanted to get the last word in. Can anybody say amen to the last amen. word? Come on and be honest. There's something about the last word that just makes us feel like we got it. It's like, ha ha, I got that last word in. No, no, you didn't do anything. You hurt yourself. You hurt yourself. And so we're being warned. Holy Spirit is saying, hey, Hey, I'm trying to tell you something here. Stop. We must be slow to speak. Listen for his direction. And think before we speak. And, and Pastor, you mentioned this. This comes, back to, this comes back to what we said before. So I have to think before I speak? I thought the Holy Spirit would just, he'd just get a hold of me and I'd just be so full of the Holy Ghost that I'd just say all the right things. No. 
No, it's not the way it works. God intended for you to be able to use your head. This this is some this is um Christianity 101, but it's practical Christianity like we've talked about in here many times. You got to think, use your head when it comes to wisdom. Think. Think for a minute and think is this a good idea? God Give me some direction here. Slow down. And don't just jump off the cliff into something. But listen to what the Holy Spirit says. So I think it's always, I always get confirmation for the things that he's taught me over the years about using your head and thinking before leaping and all of these things that have to do with, with what I thought. when Because when I was younger, I looked at it more like this. I looked at it more like, well, I get closer to God. And the more I get in his holy presence, I'm just going to be endued with the Spirit, and the Spirit is just going to lead me everywhere I need to go. And I'm telling you, people, there were times when I thought I was in the Spirit, and I absolutely had zero common sense. Zero. And I looked like a fool. It's like, look at him. Talking, talking spiritual, but he got no common sense. It's like, come on, use your head. It's right there in front of you. Yeah. Not nope, the Holy Spirit's leading me. Yeah. You know, it's what I thought. You know, you heard the saying of engage brain before open mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this can lead not just speaking, but to actions. Yeah. Wait before you act. Oh, for sure. Uh, and speaking involves more than just anger. Somebody's angry. People say a lot of things that can do a lot of things. Yes. You can entice others by what you say. Yeah. Leads to lots of issues, lots mm -hmm. of problems. Think about what you're doing. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it, here in, in a church setting, it's vital that we're yes. careful of what we say and what we do. Yeah, that that's, if we really want to, I want to chalk it up to, like, just media. Media and some of the stuff that we see today and the things that we've been force-fed and heard mm -hmm. over and over again has incited a lot of the things that we're experiencing right now. Uh, saying the wrong thing and that it stirs stirs things up, stirs anger. Okay, let me keep going. Um, controlling our anger also helps us avoid temptation. Anger does not produce a righteous lifestyle, so we must not let it have control in our lives. To allow God's word to change us, we must get rid of any impurities in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we do, we can receive God's word with humility. All right. To allow God's word to change us, then that's what we want. It's like, God, I want you to change me. We must get rid of any impurities in our lives. So what's somebody weigh in? You define to me what an impurity might be that needs to go. <laughs> Shall we go a long way with this? Yeah, we can see her all night with these. <laughs> give, give me some. Okay, envy. Envy is a terrible, terrible. There's another one that goes with that. Strife. That's it. Create strife. Yeah. That's kind of the little hidden culprit that might not be seen real readily. Right. And, and something so simple, envy and strife. So those are like things that are battling you, envious, and dealing with emotions towards other people that are, are not right. Okay, what else? Agreed. Greed. Oh, that's a good one, Dode. Greed. Oh, never enough. Never enough. It's interesting because you think about it. It's like you can't expect God to change you if you're going to keep your impurities. 
That's exactly it. No. But it, how many people are trying that? I want to keep my what I've got going on here, but mm-hmm. I want you to bless me anyway. Yes. I want you to power me with your Holy Spirit. Yes. That's what we were. That's what you and I talked about, mm-hmm. and and I'll go back to that point that we've prayed for a lot of people here. I'm not lifting myself up. I'm not lifting the pastor up. But we've prayed for a lot of people. We've given a lot of advice out over the years, and I have found a large, large amount of people that wanted prayer were not willing to quit what they were doing. They wanted somebody, or at least in this perception, this idea that um, pastor has got a special anointing that if I get prayed by the pastor, if the pastor lays hands on me, then I can get past it. It's like, well, getting prayer is good, right? Getting prayer from the pastor, that's good. But that's still not going to fix it. You're going to have to figure out how to do your own battles. You're going to have to figure out how to pray on your own. You're going to have to figure out how to, how to um, take authority over things and to stand and to make your own decisions. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself right back in the same situation again. You have to identify impurities and call them out. Most of this is going to rare when you're not here. You're out there is when it's going to Yeah. What are you going to do now? Exactly. You've got to be your own battle warrior. You know, yeah. Resistor. You're the resistor. It's here. I mean, we do it in here. It's easy, right? I think we all agree with that. Talking about this stuff is very easy. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Let's see what happens tomorrow when we get in our vehicles or we get in there and we have a confrontation with somebody. Let's see how we have to kill the flesh to get that anger out of the way. Go. Hold on. Let me get Sean. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I see it as some the personal things because, I mean, you can you okay. say greed and lust and anger and fear and all these things, but yep. it's like... It's like with the things I like, Lord, tell you, get off Facebook. Stop staying, spending so much time watching TV. That's one of my. That's right good. Now. It's like you're wasting a whole bunch of time just sitting there relaxing because you want to be comfortable. You had a long day at work. It was really busy. It's good. Hard, and the kids are driving you batty. You finally got them to sleep, and you just want to lay down and watch the television and relax. And I'm like, but I want you to go outside and pray right now, and you don't want to. Or I've told you, you need to learn to play the guitar. How many years have I told you to do that? You still haven't done that. What are you doing? Oh, you're watching television again. Or you're on YouTube. You're sitting there watching videos for five, six, I don't know, how many hours have you been here? Right. And I'm like, oh. I felt like you just kind of vented there, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's those personal things. Because, I mean, it's good. all those things all day long. But the Lord has, I mean, he, with my life, it's like no, video no. games. Yep. It's like, yeah. this, you've got to get this out. And, and he'll pinpoint one thing. He'll just give you one thing because he piles it all on you like I just did. Yeah. Your brain's just going to explode. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm out. I'm going home. Like, no, Sean, Sean has given you a deep look, and I'm glad that he was, he's willing to, to go there because I think more of us can relate to him than, than we're maybe we're willing to admit that these things are the very things that we struggle with. And he, he pointed out some very specific things. He said Facebook. It, but it can be just media time, time that we spend on our phones. We spend way too much time on them. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, hey, hey, I'm over here. We're over here praying. Are you with me? And we're like, hey, five more minutes. This video's really good. It's only like three minutes long. Hold on. That's never enough, is it? It's never enough. Three it's minutes leads to another three minutes. Says, if you believe in Jesus, just click last right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and we feel better for it. We should be ashamed of ourselves. <laughs> That's good. I was also, uh, in my experience, uh, impurities is 
you know, the, the temptations and everything, but when you try to fight them in the flesh, uh -huh. you know, you're, you're fighting an endless battle. It, it takes the revelation of how to fight it, it. in the spirit yeah. and surrender it. You know, that is the whole key to it. Because yes. as long as you're doing it in the flesh, no matter how many times you pop that rubber band on your wrist or mm -hmm. whatever you have yep. to remind you, hey, you know, I'm sorry or whatever, you've got to learn how to do it in the spirit with God, yep. not in the flesh. I think we, to go along with that too, and you mentioned Revelation, I think that's why reading the Word is so important in coming to church and being with other believers and listening to the Word because we need the revelation of what sin is in our lives. You need it. It's You listen to it, it's like, that is a sin to me. I cannot do that anymore. We got to have that revelation. Once you get the revelation, it's like, that's, that's how you know the difference between right and wrong. I know I can't do that. That's wrong for me to do that. I got to step away from it. But it's really hard to do that in the flesh. It's almost impossible. You got to have the revelation of the Spirit. That's good. Yeah, I'll use another movie reference because I've watched too much TV. Anyway, we get that Mr. Miyagi complex. That wax on, wax off. It's like, it's why true. do you hear wax, wax in your cars? I'm not going to learn nothing. I'm just painting this old guy's fence and there's nothing to this. Right. I'm not going to get nothing out of this. And then later on you find out this whole time that the Lord's been training you. He's been teaching. I'm not saying the Lord's Mr. No, Miyagi. But I understand. You get the, we get the it. reference. And That's it's a like, good and analogy. It's like, this, I don't see any growth or anything that's just going to lead to anything. I'm just painting your fence, dude. Yep. And then come to find out, you know, a couple months later, it's like, no, I was training you because this was coming down the road. Yes. You needed this wisdom, and you need it. And what if you don't paint the fence? What if you don't wax on, wax off? <laughs> then you don't get the information that you need. When you're you not where you battle. need to be. Yeah. You're not, you're where, not you where you need, need to, be. to be. I get your movie analogy, prepared, Sean. Yeah. I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. All right. So let me, let me keep going here. These are all good, and I appreciate the input. As we do, we can receive God's word with humility. Pride keeps up us from receiving God's word because we do not recognize our need for God. Pride is a culprit. It is a culprit in the middle of everything that you do. Pride. Because pride will absolutely blind you to your need for anything. Anything spiritual. It's like, even when, you're, even when you think you're spiritual, it comes back to, like, uh, God's trying to speak to you that day. And it's like, I ain't listening to you. You ain't got nothing to tell me. That's pride. That's pride. Yeah. yeah. That pride will, will tear you up. Mm -hmm. Recognize, so, so we can't have pride is, is a contradiction to God's uh, word to you. We are to remove evil from our lives. What? I thought you were going to remove the evil from my life, God. I thought you were going to do it. I thought you were. I was going to pray extra prayers today and all the evil was going to go away. No. You remove it. You do it. You get rid of the stuff that's demonic. You get that stuff off the walls. You take that stuff out of your house. You get that stuff out of your vehicle. You're the one that's got to stop watching those things. You! It's got to be you. And if, it's, if, if you're not the one to do it, I, I come back to that. That's how good of a father he is. That's how good of a father he is. He says, you get to make the choice. You get to clean up the house. You do it. I've, I've done the work on the cross. I've done everything I'm going to do. I'm not doing nothing else. That's all the work I'm going to do. I don't need to do anything else. Now you go and clean. <laughs> Get yourself taken care of. Go ahead, Rick. I was just sitting here thinking, uh, well, I'll use myself for an example. Uh, years and years ago, uh, if God didn't deliver me from these things, <clears throat> they weren't going to get done. I lived with that. I loved it. 
Well, he didn't remove it. It must not be too bad. <laughs> That's good. Just <laughs> keep on doing it. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, to the point of almost death. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did not know this. <laughs> right. That's good. There is a part that we got to do. We That's need a part. To get moving on. That's good. Get moving on. That's, we right. got to get moving. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay. Let's keep moving. We're almost done. Um, <clears throat> we are to remove evil from our lives as we would remove and throw away a filthy coat. When we humbly open our hearts to God's word, it becomes engrafted or planted in us. Hide the word of God in your heart. But you may not sin against him, right? Hide it. Put it in. The word takes root and grows, changing us into Christ's image. So the question that I have for you is... <coughs> What does that look like? You say you're changing into Christ's image. You think, okay, well, Christ's image, that's a good thing, right? Yes, it is a good thing, but what does that look like? I can assure you. Let me lay, let me lay a very basic foundation down. What does it look like to look like Christ? It is righteousness and a whole lot of getting away from sin. That's a basic. Now, over time, you'll keep pushing forward and closer to him. But as a basis foundation, and I'm saying this, I wish there was on video, and people could hear this, that if you want to become more of in the image of Christ, that means getting away from sin, staying away from sin, and being righteous like him. That's, that's the image of him. Believers in Christ are to read and meditate on the word regularly. In James 1.22, James noted the danger of hearing the word and not obeying it. Individuals who disobey God's word are deceived because they hear God's commands and do not put them into practice. James compared this behavior to a person who looks carefully into a mirror and perhaps sees something that needs to be changed but turns away without making a change. But not looking deeply into God's word, by not looking deeply into God's word, our spiritual growth is stunted. The doer is blessed by understanding and obeying God's word, which helps us avoid the bondage of sin and temptation. So... We all agree that there are things that need to be changed. So we also also agree that that change coming comes from being able to properly study and hear God's word. We come back to the point of it's not just a change we're making by some standard that was given to us by somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. No, this is a standard by God's word. So if you don't know what God's word says, then you don't know how to change. You just don't know. You're not going to change. So we have to read it in order to be more like him, in order to fall under conviction. You have to hear the word of God. You have to put it in front of you. And this is on a daily basis. And by doing that, we begin to see God's view of things and not our own view. I don't don't know how many times over the years I picked up God's word it just turned right to it, and it was the very thing that day that I was struggling with, and I got a good teaching that day. Oh, man, that was a good one. I needed that. I needed that today. But it's not going to come. It's, it definitely won't come. Ah, eh, well, to a degree, but much smaller. If you just come to church, and church is the only time that you hear the Word of God, if Sunday morning is the only time that you get any dose of Word of God, I commend you, good job, if you needed a pat on the back. I hope that you didn't. But if you needed a pat on the back, good job. Now go home and actually read it for yourself. Because that's when you actually grow. Amen. You're gonna get some, you'll get some faith built by doing it at home. 
You'll get some faith built by listening to it in your vehicle. You'll get some things churning and some things turning inside of you. <coughs> church is great. Church is great, but church has become, church has become the catch-all. <laughs> it's just become the catch-all. And it's not, church is not way, the way it's supposed to be because of the way that it's been treated. It's been moved, church has been moved into a category in which it does not belong. It does not belong as being the place to fix all problems. <coughs> you fix the problem, you come to church, you fix your problem. Nope. Mm -mm. Good place to be, not going to fix your problem. I, over the years, this is why a lot of people I've seen over the years, why they left church. They just didn't have that miraculous punch like they thought it was supposed to. Yeah. I've been prayed over six times. Ain't done nothing yet. Like, go, go home and do the same thing that we did here. <laughs> just do the same thing. Worship, pray, and read your word. We did it all on Sunday morning. You go home and you do it over there. And you'll start having success. Something will start to change. Yeah. Uh, okay. I know I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again. The whole, when I was in church, I got that pretty much, I, I wouldn't call it a spanky, but I got told yeah. to get rid of video games. All I heard in my mind was get rid of it in the middle of worship, in the middle of service, and I didn't have to ask. I didn't have to say, you what knew. do you mean, get rid of what? <laughs> I knew exactly what it meant. I didn't ask a time frame. I just said, all right, give me, give me, give me a month. I'll get it rid of it. And I did it. Other things in my life I haven't quite done as well in getting rid of things. But church has been a good place to get that, that information that I need. And then it's like you go to school. You got, it's like, hey, you just got what you needed to do this week. Now go out there and do it. Yeah. And, and then it's up to me to make that choice and that decision to do what God said not do what God said. Yeah, that's it. It's good. Okay, I'm going to move down. We're out of time. I want to read one paragraph, small, and then we close. Uh, last paragraph, it says, True religion. We look at it there. It says, True religion is uh, also demonstrated in loving actions. If we are growing in our walk with God, we will demonstrate spiritual maturity through a desire to help others obey God's word and live in purity and holiness. As we grow in our obedience to God's word, we will, uh, he will help us overcome temptation and experience victory. Notice that what it says there, if we are growing in our walk with God, we will demonstrate spiritual maturity through and desire to help others obey God's word. What that means is, is that if you're where you're supposed to be, then you're going to have an impact on other people's lives to further them in the direction that they need to go, and they're going to be inspired by watching you. What doesn't need to happen is the contrary is that you're sitting beside people in church and that when the doors are, when you go out of here, you do and say things that confuse them about what Christianity is supposed to look like. That's a problem. They're watching you. And so if you, if you got people around you or you got, you got your, uh, what do they call that in, what do they call that? Your entourage. There we go. They call that, that's what they say in pro, the pros. You got an entourage with you. If you got an entourage, you got a group of people that you hang around, and in church you're one way, but out here you're a different way. These people are not getting a proper view of what Christianity is supposed to look like. No wonder they haven't come to church with you and you invite them. I know that's kind of a hard thing to end on. You're hurting people. I say that because I want to encourage you to live out the thing that we're doing. Live it out. Amen. And let's be the actual people that we're supposed to be for him 
And when our time comes, and we die, or he comes back, we're actually ready to see him. We're ready. All right, would you stand? We'll be dismissed. I'm glad we got to finish that. Okay, everybody's heart and mind at ease. Everybody messed up good now. Amen. <laughs> you can all go home and, and think about this. and Oh, we all got so much to work on. We do, but it's a good thing. We need to be in a place where we're working. And you sure enough need to be in a place where you're being challenged.